everybody, welcome back to Entertainment Talk. Today we're here to do another film review. This one's going to be for Ant-Man and the Wasp, the next edition in the MCU. Not sure which number of film it is, but that doesn't matter too much. But I'm your host, Matthew. Joining me today is Roberts. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, I was a little bit tired earlier, but um, the podcasts have uh, woken me up a bit more, so that's good. Uh, yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp. It came out... Was it July 2nd? I think there was a month delay over here. Um, yeah, it was the weekend of July 4th over here in the States. I don't know why we had to wait so long. <laughs> yeah, I it, couldn't tell you. It's weird, because with some of the Marvel films in the past and with Star Wars, we get them maybe like a few days earlier. So I don't know what happened with this one, but um, that's the way it is. Uh, there was a similar delay with The Incredibles 2 as well. There was like a two-week delay. I don't know what's going on, but anyway... Uh, spoiler free, we'll keep it spoiler free for now, what did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp? It was okay, I mean it was <laughs> a solid B- minus to a high C+. Plus. Um, yeah, I mean the, the Ant-Man franchise kind of falls into the uh, Guardians franchises in that it's not too heavily, heavily locked mm. into the MCU outside of the main characters and the actions in other movies. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I think my biggest, not so much issue, just question with the, uh, um, with the movie was, I really couldn't figure out who was supposed to be the bad guy. I guess and we'll so. spend more into, into yeah. that, you know, later in yeah. a bit. Yeah, we will do as, we're doing spoiler free for now. Uh, I'll let you know when we go into spoilers, uh, cause I won't just, yeah. yeah. Cause there was two kind of adjacent bad guys. The one had a. Not a reason, but you could understand the motivations for the character of the ghost and why they were doing what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of bad guy adjacent, but I really wouldn't call them a bad guy. And then the other sort of pseudo kind of not exactly bad guy, which is they're more to kick the plot along down the road than anything else. Yeah, I mean, the character of Ghost... um... You understand why she's doing what she's doing. Um, but you're right. She didn't really do it in a necessarily villainous way. As opposed to some worse villains that are out there. Um, but she was like a... Not quite an anti-hero. But like... I guess she was trying to accomplish her goal. But in an aggressive way. Um, but More of a but, selfish-ish kind I suppose, of way. But they kind they they explain all that quite well, and of course we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, so I was like happy with that, but I, I get what you mean. There wasn't like a flat out villain, but what they did with the so called villains, as you say, um, at least with ghosts, they they did quite well. So um, I, th- if there's an Ant Man and see what would they call the next one, Ant Man and the Wasp Two, because this is technically Ant Man Two, but it's not got a two on it because it's Ant-Man and the Wasp if they'd made an Ant-Man and the Wasp 2 uh, basically I don't think they should ever do a solo film with one of, one of these individually because I remember they might eventually do like a solo Wasp film or um I don't feel like I need that yeah but, like if they decided to do a Wasp and they, film they could... if they decided to do a Wasp film and then gave her like an origin story I feel like I sort of already know that so it would almost be like okay you can just make Ant-Man and the Wasp 2? It would have to be almost a Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne origin story. 
Mm-hmm. And even then, I don't know how well that would work. It would really kind of be dependent on the script. Yeah, I still don't think that's interesting enough as well. So I think in terms of origin stories, they've done all the work that they need to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, they uh, they kind of robbed Peter to pay Paul when they made the Yellow Jacket into the villain in the first film. Mm. Because in the comics, uh, Yellow Jacket was the character when Hank Pym went insane and went crazy, kill crazy vigilante on it. And that's how Scott Lang became the Ant-Man. In okay. a sense, I mean, there's been there's been variations on that, uh, and I'm sure they could pull out, you know, some random here, some random actual villain villain for a sequel. But I don't know again what you would call it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I remember when I first saw Ant Man, and I was like, this is maybe a bit skippable. If I was to point at any MCU films and say which ones do you not need to see, I would say that you'd be absolutely fine if you didn't see Ant Man and watched Ant Man and the Wasp. See, I don't know about that just because Ant-Man did factor in to uh, Civil War. I think I think he still works in Civil War as like a pop-in character. As a pop-in character, yeah, but you don't really know who he is and the significance of him being in there. You kind of need guess. the the first Ant-Man movie of him going to the Avengers facility and going one-on-one with Falcon mm. to take that component out. Yeah. I mean, you don't need, need, need it, need it, but it <laughs> fills in a gap. Sure. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing the first one, and then when they announced Ant-Man and the Wasp, although I think at first they announced just the Wasp or something, um, but when they said Ant-Man and the Wasp, I was like, okay, at least you've got like two of these that can work off each other, and it's like male, female, and all that sort of stuff. Like Immediately, as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, at least you have two of these characters that are similar, that can like fight together and stuff and I feel that that worked very very well um and I I really like her is it I I never say her name right Evangelina Lily Mm Evangelina Lily uh Kate from Lost who um I think is probably where she got her big break um yeah because she was just a model before Lost okay I I'd never actually uh heard of her before Lost as well um plus I was a bit younger at that time as well uh but yeah, she's, I'd basically never heard of her before Lost, and then she came into that and did did Lost, and now I, I uh, know her here from that, basically. Um, I feel like, yeah, in terms of what you referenced earlier with Guardians of the Galaxy, this is certainly... Uh, I mean, if you are to point at Marvel, there's not a lot, there's not a whole lot of dark, I suppose you can say, um, aside from things that happen in Infinity War and stuff. Um, and see, that wasn't even so dark so much know, as it was yeah. intense. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at the like the second Thor or a Winter Soldier in Civil War, they were definitely intense movies, but I really wouldn't call them dark movies. Mm-hmm. They're certainly not because I'm trying to do a slight comparison here to DC with the whole like Batman v Superman, Justice League, dark tone stuff. But in terms of Marvel, you don't get a whole lot of dark. But the reason I'm bringing that up as well is because if you look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy and now Ant-Man and the Wasp, those are certainly the more direct comedy films. Because um, like DC's trying to do that with uh, Shazam, it seems like he's trying to make that at least their their. Comedy. To a sense, but that yeah. to a sense they were, but that character has always been more of a, a lightish character to begin with. I mean, after all, it is essentially a, a ten to twelve year old kid trapped in a man's body. Yeah. So you can't really go too dark with that. Now without, you know, unleashing the mob of fanboys all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, like, I went to see this today. A lot of people laughed at the film and stuff. And, like, 
I had this thing where I was recognizing jokes and like happy that people were reacting. I myself wasn't laughing that much. I was sort of sitting there smiling and being like, this isn't, the jokes aren't not affecting me, but like, I don't know, maybe it was just, I don't, I don't know. Um, how did you feel about like the, the jokes and how that sort of flowed and stuff? Uh, some of it flowed really well. Some yeah. of it was, uh, um, some of it did fall a little bit flat. I, again, I'm still a, such a huge fan of Michael Pena in this role and in this universe. I think he just bring he stole pretty much every scene that he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot. Audience laughed a lot at stuff, and uh, it's interesting how many like adult jokes they slid by, like with the whole um, when you two stop comparing sizes. Yeah. Yeah. That... Uh, but to be fair, I mean, there's always been adult jokes slid in that mm-hmm. you probably didn't notice because you were a kid. I guarantee you, go back to movies, you know, kiddish kind of movies that you grew up on. There's a lot more adult themes than you would recognize. Yeah, but I think they did they did a good job with that, and it it serves both audiences because you still have the younger jokes and you still have the jokes that are like the kids sort of laugh at, but they maybe don't they like don't know the, the context, jo- the joke. Yeah, um, and then the adults can laugh at that, of course, as well. So that's pretty good. Uh but yeah, I, I would I would say go see this film. I I think it's better than Ant Man, definitely. Um, I just think the whole team up thing is is so much better. Um, I like Wasp as a character. Uh, I think she's kind of cool. I think uh, Evangeline Lilly did did a really good job. Uh, what did you What did you think of her in this film? Yeah, big fan of hers. Um, yeah. it's really cool seeing Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne, which I can't count as a spoiler because when i went to the movie theater they had her face on the the poster board oh okay um yeah. so i'm not counting that as a spoiler you it might not have been like commonly known um but when you put it on a poster board then that officially makes it a non-spoiler thing so i i count that as fair yeah if it's if it's in material released publicly then it's not really a spoiler unless it's uh doomsday in batman v superman <laughs> i suppose yeah uh, I think that's about all the non-spoiler stuff I want to say. But yeah, go see this film. It's fun. It's funny. It ties into it ties into the MCU in an interesting way. Um, you suggested to me to to watch the first post-credit scene, but not the second one, because you said that the mm-hmm. second one was uh the uh ant that was doing the drums in the trailer. Yeah, if you've seen one of the, the Ant-Man on the Wasp trailer to where it's like the very end where you just see the giant-sized, you know, human-sized ant just welling on the Guitar Hero drums, that was the uh, post, the second post-credit scene. And I felt really cheated, almost, as that being a post-credit scene because of what the impact was, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section for the mid-credit scene. Right. We had that as an impact, and then you think, oh, what are they going to end on? For the post credit, and then they end on that. I felt like I was very disappointed. Mm-hmm. I will say, um, yeah, it, it was. It's interesting watching the audience during the end of a Marvel film because, like, we know to stay for credit scenes and stuff. There was this one family of three um, that, as, as soon as the credits got up, I, I'm not joking. As soon as the the black screen and the white writing credits start, as soon as it started. They got up and left immediately. Granted, they may have to have been somewhere or they might have been in a rush. But I kind of thought, like, 
Okay, this is the Marvel film. They've been going for ten years. Don't you know there's a credit scene? And they were the they were the only three people that got up and left. Everybody else stayed. Uh, like I said, they could have been in a rush or, or or something or I don't know. Or they already might have seen it before. Maybe, maybe. Um, but I get. Although it was released today, so they you could have easily seen a bootleg copy of it online. So I guess so. Yeah. Um, that'll be. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it's interesting to see if people get up and leave because it's kind of like, okay, Marvel film, you're going to get uh, credit scenes and stuff. Um, but yeah, I suppose we should jump into spoilers now as well. Uh, but what I'm going to do here is tell you about today's sponsor, uh, how to get your ad-free podcasts, um, and some housekeeping. After housekeeping, I'll give you a warning and then we'll go into spoilers. So we'll uh, see you in a minute. Today's sponsor is Kirsty Legister's Juice Plus. If you're looking for help with trying to lose weight, this might be the solution that you're looking for. With a range of products that include shakes, boosters, capsules and more, get started today. All you have to do is add Kirsty on Facebook and send her a Facebook message using the link in the description and get started with the program today. Hey everyone, if you would like to get the ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, all you need to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash entertainment talk and sign up as a creator or as a Patreon. There's two different versions available there or two different options available there. And then simply go to pledge $1 per month and get your ad-free podcast. It's also a really good way to support what we're doing here at Entertainment Talk. It also means you wouldn't have to listen to this or any sponsors that we have now or in the future either. And as always, thank you for listening. Cool. Alright, so uh, I'll just go over this week as well. Um, so this week, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp review, which we'll listen to now, so thanks for that. Uh, gaming talk, we talked about a bunch of stuff. Uh, Tomb Raider, Spider-Man, uh, lawsuits, and uh, a bunch of other stuff. PS Plus games for this month. Um, me and Rob, uh, me and David sorry, did a uh, Better Call Saul Season 4 preview podcast this week, which was, of course, the Breaking Bad prequel. Uh, the season will be starting next week on the, I think it's the 7th or the 8th. Uh, the episode comes out next Monday on AMC and then Netflix Tuesday UK. And then the podcast will be Wednesday, so that'll be kind of fun. Uh, me and Robert, sorry, not me and Robert. Me and Chris, working with too many different co-hosts. Uh, me and Chris did a TV talk today. Uh, that will be out tomorrow for the 3rd of August. We talked about... Again, a bunch of stuff as well. Uh, slight change to the schedule, what I mentioned before. Uh, my Good Girls review for Season 1 will be coming out next Friday. I basically didn't want to put too many things out at once and spread things out a little bit. Um, also, I did a little podcast update for Classic Reviews, just telling you about a, uh, a couple of um, updates there. The podcast will be continuing. That's not what the update is for. It's just to tell you about a couple of changes. Uh, Credibles 2, Back to the Future. Um, I did those reviews last week as well. Uh, yeah, that's it basically for housekeeping. So if you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, and you don't want to be spoiled and you came here for a uh, spoiler-free consensus, we've given you that, we've given you, given you everything else we can talk about. Um, I should also tell you how to contact us before I jump into spoilers. EntertainmentTalk.com, EntertainmentTalkUK at gmail.com, EntertainmentTalk.org is the website, Twitter is at eTalkUK. Uh, so yeah, go and see the film, come back to this point in the podcast, and listen to the rest of it. But in the meantime, um, I'm still giving you the chance to leave. Click on the homepage, look at some other stuff uh, on the website, and uh, tell tell all your friends and family, and all that good stuff. 
So we're going to go into spoilers now, click off the podcast, or you will be spoiled. Uh, not quite on an in- Infinity War level, but there's still some spoilers in here, I suppose, as well. Uh, so, yeah, what, what do you want to talk about up front, spoiler-wise? Uh, spoiler-wise, I think it's important to talk about so what we mentioned early in the uh, non-spoiler part. is how I really didn't feel like there was a villain for the film. I mean, there was definitely antagonists, mm. but I really wouldn't call a villain for the film. Some of my problem with that, um, and this is a, like, what I would label as a minor character's problem, which is where, like, you recognize certain characters, but I couldn't tell you certain people's names. Like, some of the little goons, I suppose, and some of the people that, um, our good guys were working with, um, like, some of the, the, the comedic characters. I don't remember some of their names and stuff, um, but... Yeah, in terms of the the villain thing with Ghost, uh, so basically her situation was, I guess she was dying from her powers, because they were, like, making her disappear and stuff, because her powers are, like, vanishing and phasing through objects using that and, and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and she was basically uh, becoming incorporeal. Yeah, um, um, and she was, like, constantly in pain and weak and, and that sort of thing. Um, the woman who plays her, I don't know if you've watched Killjoys before. Um, I've seen the the first season. I need to go back and watch some of the, some of the, the the rest of it. Uh, Bex from Geek Town is a, is a massive fan of Killjoys. It's on uh, Sci-Fi, and the box sets are also on Now TV in the UK and Netflix as well. Uh, if you want to check that out, I've seen a couple episodes of it, but I haven't had a chance to actually watch watch it. Okay, she's the the main female protagonist. There's t- there's two guys, and then there's her as well. Uh, so that's what I kind of recognise her from. She did a really really good job in this. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean in terms of like she wasn't a sh- an out and out villain, but like she had the attitude of like, okay, I don't care if I kill this mother character because I just want myself to get better. Mm-hmm. Which, like, she's been suffering from this for a while and stuff, and, like, she's pretty desperate to get healed from it, which is understandable. Uh, and she almost might, like, basically die herself, so that was understandable. Um, so what did you think, uh, what else is there? Uh, do you want to talk about the, we should talk about the, um, the, the credit scene. So basically, they work out how to safely go into this quantum realm thing that, that, that they go to for the the stuff they need to give to to um, Ghost and then Ant-Man offers to go in there and he says like they say okay we're going to count down from five at a certain point once you've got the stuff um, I think they get to like three or something and then the, the mic cuts off and uh, you see that they've vanished from of course Thanos is clicking fingers from uh, Infinity War because uh-huh. it, it was interesting to me once this film was ending, and I was like, okay, this was good. I enjoyed it, and like, I enjoyed the partnership with Ant Man and the Wasp. But I was like, okay, where are the effects of the MCU stuff? But hey, they were just about to be shown to me. So, um, I I, I like that quite a lot. So, and all the characters that we've seen vanish aren't dead. So that's kind of good. Well, we don't know that they're dead. So, well, they have some of them have to come back. Because of certain films and whatnot, but uh, and plus you you won't you're not going to kill off Spider Man and Black Panther. They they make too much money. Um, what what did you think of that when you first saw it? That like 
I thought there was a great way to tie into it. Yes. Um, because we had the kind of, not the, like the real question, but something that, you know, I had had a kind of question of is in terms of time, how much time was between uh, Civil War and Guardians and how much time was between Civil War and uh, Infinity War and Black Panther and all that. Yeah. Because you never really got a sense of time. And we got a little bit of it because in the the very start of it, they had said he was closing in on the end of two years of probation. Yeah. And so, well, two years of house arrest, rather. So you figure six months to a year for the, the him escaping the, the raft and then getting recaught and then cutting the deal. And we still don't know the, what happens with the deal, what he gave up to get that deal. But I'm, I'm wondering if part of that is kind of an apology from like Tony Stark because he's got enough lawyers to throw at it to where he could probably force that deal. I suppose so, yeah. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's all like minutiae stuff that obviously they had no reason to go into. So that's more my, you know, law, familiarity, curiosity than anything else. Um, but obviously this movie, since it's launching after Infinity War had to be its a standalone thing and had to be its own kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so they just, they did link that into that with, uh, um, uh, with that. Weirdly enough, the, the effects of affinity war, they never, uh, showed anything about with the agents of shield TV show. You never saw any of that effect or after, you know, aftermath mm-hmm. on that. Uh, but past that, yeah, I mean, uh, Walter Scruggins, who played the uh, the Sonny character, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Sonny Birch, who was the uh, tech trader essentially. Uh, okay. He didn't. He he was really there more to kick the plot down the road than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like that it's managed to tie quite well into Infinity War. I, there was this um, little kid with his mum sitting in front of me. This cinema was quite packed and I picked the wrong seat because there was a VIP seat uh, like four rows down which had, it was a set of two and there was one guy next to it and I was like damn it I should have sat there, but anyway because um, I would have had more, more space and whatnot. Um, they when they vanished, I, of course I looked at the scene and like looked at what was happening I had a quick glance like around the cinema just to see a few reactions and stuff and this little kid uh, the, the the one that I just mentioned, he wasn't like freaking out, but he was looking at his mum and we're like, what, 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 what was that? And then I I looked around and thought like, okay, there was the pro- there was the credits thing where I looked around and um, uh, thought like, okay, who's who's gonna get up, sort of thing. And I also looked around and thought like, okay, how many of these people have seen Infinity War? Because if you've seen it, you'd understand what this is. Granted, you could still look at this as a uh, individual film and then watch Infinity War it would still kind of work you would just be a bit confused as to what this is unless of course you read the comics or whatever um but it was interesting to look around there and there wasn't like that much reaction so I imagine a lot of the audience had seen Infinity War um because like when I'd seen Infinity War and look, looked at the audience everyone was like what the hell happened to those characters um apart from a few people that had sat normally I guess that they'd like read the comics or something um, but no, it's interesting to see those sort of reactions from uh, from the crowd and stuff. Um, it, it's it's kind of weird that they left it in the credit scene, but the credit scenes themselves are starting to come, become a bit more important. Apart from the the uh, and playing the drums or whatever it was, uh, but you often get 
a lot of setup in those. Like you, you see villains do certain things, and like there's been, was it in? Uh, I think it was in Avengers and in uh, Age of Ultron where we got the Thanos teasers. I remember there was a couple of films where we got some Thanos teasers. Yeah, the end of the first Avengers, we got the very, very th- first uh, Thanos tree- teaser. Yeah. And it was in... Uh, and we didn't actually get him by name. What it was is the end credit scene where they had the one uh, dude talking to somebody on the stairs. And they said to fight the Avengers would be to court death. And that mm. the guy turned around and smiled. Um that was cool. And for people that don't know, that's an actually interesting. It's a little bit of a divergent from the movies, but in the original Infinity War comics, there's actually a death in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not in the Marvel Comic Universe, rather. And Thanos is in love with death. And so he plans on killing off half the universe to impress her. So it's basically his way of trying to get a date. So that's why that line was so important to the people that are more familiar with the comics. A little, a little extreme. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like anybody's never done anything extreme for love before. Look at the whole uh, Cleopatra and Alexander thing. Right, right. Uh, but no, it's it's becoming more important, basically. And I remember in... I can't remember if this was in Civil War or in Age of Ultron where he got the gauntlet for the first time. And I remember him saying, like, I guess I'll do this myself. Uh, so it's it's interesting going forward with, with those credit scenes. Uh, did you notice a Stan Lee cameo? Yeah, Stanley cameos are always funny because sure. you gotta look for them so hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it was he was trying to get in this car, and uh, it got shrunk. Mm-hmm. And he, he said so, something. I didn't. I didn't actually understand what he said quite. But he said something about like the the sixties or or something. Yeah, he's basically making a reference to the sixties and the prominence of the drug culture drug culture back then. Okay. And so he's basically saying that he saw the car shrink, but instead of thinking, oh, the car is shrank, he's probably thinking, oh, this is just a reaction to all the drugs I did back in the 60s. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully he sticks around for for a long time. Um, how old is he now? 90... He's in his 90s. Yeah. 92 or 93. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully he sticks around for a long time. I, w- I wonder what... Uh, when he does eventually pass, and like, of course, we want him to stay alive for as long as possible because he's an awesome person. I wonder what they'll do with the Stanley cameos. There's actually a, a thing that's been floating around some of the uh, the Facebook groups that I'm in. Okay. It'll pop up every time a, a Marvel movie comes out. It'll say, "It'll just it's just text." It'll say, "Sooner or later, you'll get to the end of a Marvel movie, and there'll be no Stanley cameo." And it'll say. In loving memory of Stan Lee, and it says, "Admit it, you'll be crying," and most of us probably will be at that oh, yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. This man has like done the amazing thing. We created it, didn't he? Uh, like all the MCU and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, it would be incredibly sad when we when he's unless. What about if like they got him filming for like a week or something, and just got him to film just a bunch of random stuff? for cameos and they could like save it for the future that's hard telling whether or not that would go over well or not just because i don't know i i really don't know if that's something that people would like as like a tribute to the man or if they would just see that as like cashing in on the fact that he is 
you know, he's not, we can be honest, he's not much longer for this world. I mean, anybody that's in their 90s, yeah. I mean, they don't, most people don't live that long to begin with. Right. And I think the oldest person alive on the planet right now is like somewhere in the 110 ish range. Wow. So, you know, it's pretty close to that time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad, but you can't say he hasn't had a good life. Oh, we've, or, yeah. All the Marvel and stuff, it's that's incredible life. So, um, and the fact that he's 92 and still as active as he is, I yeah, mean, it's impressive goes, in and of itself. Yeah, he still does all these cameos. He's like credited as uh, executive producer and a lot of stuff. He still goes to yeah. certain cons and does interviews. Um, so yeah, I think my favorite thing. This is kind of a bit off topic, but I okay. think my favorite thing with the Stanley cameos is people were actually getting shitty about his cameo in the first Deadpool movie because it was supposedly in a strip club. And I'm just like, the dude's in his 90s. Let him see naked chicks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus come Christ. on. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. weird thing was, he wasn't even in the strip club. It was a green screen shoot because they, they couldn't uh, film a whole lot in that strip club. So oh, right, right. His, him actually being at the DJ booth saying, you know, give it up for chastity was actually not in that strip club. Do you think, so, irony. Do you think that they... Um, could, like, prepare a final cameo kind of thing? Where, like, may, where maybe it's, like, slightly longer and he's doing something very specific? Um, they instead, could, but instead, that's instead, something that... Uh, it might be a little bit morbid. Um yeah. And something that, you know, in, in a weird sort of way is a bit tangential. You know, you, know, you being over in the UK, you know, Queen Elizabeth isn't exactly a spring chicken, too. So you got to figure on some level, the newscasters are doing some level of prep work for when uh, the next, you know, when the king becomes king. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, practicing it so they know what to do when that happens. Not that you're actually looking forward to or advocating that actually happening, but that you know that, again, that's on that's kind of a morbid thing. But you know, it, life you know does eventually end. So cool. Uh, but yes, we wish Stanley the best and everything, and uh, hopefully we see many more cameos to come. Um, but going back to Ant Man and the Wasp, we got a bit off track there. Um, mm-hmm. What else is there? Yeah, the jokes were pretty good. Uh, I like the team up, as I said. Um, do you have any like favorite parts of this film? Uh, kind of weirdly, my favorite parts got Lang's crew. You had Ti and Michael Pena, which I've said I'm a huge fan of, um, just because it puts him more in the realm of somebody trying to rebuild his life. And I've had to do that not from prison. Obviously, I've never been to prison, but I've had to re- rebuild my life several times. And I've had to do it, for the most part, solo. Okay. With a little help from family. But the fact that, you know, he's got, you know, friends that are helping him and friends that are by his side. That part, I enjoyed not so much from the movie aspect, just from the life aspect. Because that's something that you would want to hope would be the case. To where if if something serious happens and you had to basically start over from everything, that you would have friends there to, to help you along. Hopefully, yeah. Um... I like the scene where the wife is in Ant-Man's head and like he <laughs> he's like holding um 
is it Hank or Douglas? That he's like holding his hand and be like, "I'll be with you soon," and then he's holding uh, the wasp's hand and he's he's saying stuff to her as well. And then like the the wife leaves his head and he's like, "Wait, what's happening?" And they're like, "Why am Why am I holding your hand?" I thought that was really really funny. So yeah, that 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 the, was a funny scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was like a whole kind of section almost. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember like the first little reveal about when uh, he's starting to do all this computer stuff, and they're like, "Wait, the wife character is is in his head," uh, and they start to have like uh, responses to that. I thought it was cool. I thought um, another kind of comic comedic bit was like the start when he's um, playing in his house with with his daughter and stuff. Um, and uh like he's, he he basically says to this um FBI guy like oh I've been trying to like come up with stuff to us to do just at home and he's got all these cool like card tricks and stuff I thought that was pretty good uh and especially the bit at the end where like he says oh I'll see you again soon and he's like where where will you see me he's like are you planning to go to go for dinner and all this kind of stuff and then uh he says no like when you slip up next I'll I'll uh, look forward to seeing you and then he turns around and he's like, "But do you want to go for dinner?" And I, I, I thought that was that was kind of cool, kind of funny. Yeah, that that whole awkward thing is kind of really hard to pull off, but I think they yeah. did that scene pretty well. Hmm. I think they did with the awkward comedy, co- comedy. Sorry, they they did that quite well, sort of throughout the film. So, uh, yeah, um, that's about all I think I have to say for Ant Man and the Wasp. How how long? Was this film? I I got to the cinema at one. The the film started at about one forty and it ended at three like twenty seven. Um, well, it's kind of hard to judge over here in the states because there's so much crap before the movie actually starts. You get yeah. at least twenty minutes of bullshit and commercials and advertisements <laughs> and previews the previews i don't mind this is actually kind of showing my age but back when i was you know in my uh, early teens previews was how you knew whether or not a movie was going to be good or whether or not you thought the studio thought the movie was going to be good mm-hmm. because i had the three preview rule if a movie had less than three previews then the studio didn't have a whole lot of faith behind the movie um, so they didn't expect a whole lot of people in there, so they weren't previewing movies. Because back then, uh, unless you were reading like a trade magazine, previews were the only way you knew about new movies coming out. Mm. Whereas if you had a movie with like four or five previews to it, then you thought, oh, they expect a lot of people to be at this uh, movie, so we're going to add extra previews to it. Mm. Um, of course, this is back in the day when the movies, if the movie was longer than two hours, they actually gave you a five-minute intermission to go you know hit the restroom and get more popcorn but you know those days are sadly long gone Hmm. um but uh past that you know there's you know you the movie could start at one o'clock and you might not have the opening scene till almost 130 yeah i mean we live in a world now where superhero films are between two and two and a half hours and mm-hmm. we don't need all of them to be like that. Granted, like, Avengers Infinity War, two hours, 40 minutes, well justified in my opinion. And I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. Um, so, like, I, I welcome the sort of hour 40, hour 50. I think uh, Suicide Squad was a bit shorter as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't need every single one of these to be, like, two plus hours. So, uh, you can still tell a very good story in 90 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes. So... 
yeah, so next in next in terms of superhero stuff, uh what what was I thinking of? Um Spider Man villain. His his name is uh escaped my head. Um Venom, that's it. Uh we got Venom coming out in, in October. Have you seen the newest trailer? The, I think it's the third one. I haven't seen it as of yet. I don't even know if I'm going to go see the Venom film or not. The first trailer really didn't do anything for me. So Okay. I've heard some mixed things about the third trailer, which I haven't seen. Apparently, he like speaks a bit more in that trailer or something. Um, I think what they're doing with that is, like, because X-Men and Fantastic Four have got a bit of a mixed reception throughout all their, their films. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at Fantastic Four being a mixed reception after that last <laughs> abomination. Well, I I haven't actually seen that myself, so um but like some of the some of the earlier ones were, were good. So uh but yeah, with with them, yeah, I guess you could say having a mixed reception. Um I think they're testing the waters to not say like, okay, this is MCU. I think what they're gonna do is because this is essentially another Venom reboot is like test to see if people like this and then if they do they could then say okay yes this is mcu if they don't maybe they'll just like say it's not and cancel it or or something i don't know uh i don't think we'll know an answer to that until the movie comes out because i mean granted it is a venom film but how can you really have a venom film without some kind of spider-man in it yeah plus it's the tone is looking at least from the trailers that i've seen so far i still haven't seen a new one yet but the trailers that they've shown so far is showing it way darker than than it would be for you know Tom Holland and uh, uh, then for for the Spider-Man Homecoming and the Far Far Away, which is the new one. Yeah. Um. I mean, the the one in the Spider-Man universe, the character I'm looking forward to seeing is Carnage. I haven't really seen much of him, but I've heard some really cool stuff. I've heard that he's like. He kills for fun, and he's like even more violent than Venom. Um, he's like a bit of a Venom 2.0 kind of thing. Um, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of him in like games and comics years ago, but uh, he might be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the next thing. Of course, we've got the uh, Captain Marvel and uh, Avengers 4, of course, which will be mm-hmm. quite exciting. So uh, yeah, I think that's about everything we have to say for this podcast. We're looking forward to the future of Marvel itself, of course, as well. DC, we we don't know. I'm still I'm still skeptical in the DCEU. Uh, I I like the look of Shazam, but everything else, I'm like, okay, until it impresses me, then I'm not impressed, I suppose. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, so yes, thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to check out everything that we do, entertainmenttalk.org is where you can do that. Uh, I already mentioned the email and how you can contact us and everything. Uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing here, patreon.com forward slash entertainmenttalk. That's where you can go and redeem rewards for reviews of your choice and some other things as well. Uh, and also get your ad-free podcast, uh, Amazon affiliate link. That's where you go and use Amazon, but you use our affiliate link. We'll get a small cut of the amount that you spend, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. So that's a good way to support us as well. iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice, please rate and review and subscribe to us over there. That will help as well. Uh, word of mouth, tell your friends, family, neighbours, co-workers, anyone that you might talk to. They can come and discover this com- uh, this uh, content for themselves and uh, l- let us know if they like it. Uh, Mixer and Twitch, me and Robert have both got uh, different video game streaming channels. You can check all of that out in the description. If you're listening on a podcast platform, just click on the link that I provide. 
and uh, it will have everything that you need in there. Or just head over to the website, and everything will be there anyway. So, uh, yeah, thank you everybody very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>